Hello, and welcome to Unabridged, the weekly podcast where teachers take on books. This is Sarah. Join us for bookish episodes and a monthly book club pick. This is Ashley. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Unabridged Pod, or go to our website, unabridgedpod.com, where the books we read are linked for purchase. This is Jen. Check out our Teachers Pay Teachers store, our Patreon page, and our newsletter. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts to support us. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hello. Today, love is in the air here at Unabridged. (laughs) (laughs) I feel... I love you. Something's in the air. Something's in the air. So we are going to be talking about love stories today. Before we do that, we wanted to... Thank everyone for liking and rating and subscribing to the podcast and continue to encourage people to do that. And if you haven't, we would love for you to do that because that is the very best way for people to find our podcast and for us to gain new listeners and to expand our community. So if you could do that, we would love it. That being said, let's get started. Who would, let's see, uh, Jen. Jen, what is one of your books? Jen, I just have to say, Jen had like 22 paragraphs of romance books she could talk about, which is why I have chosen to single her out. This is really hard for me. Okay. This is really hard hard for for Sarah and me too. I know, right? Just in a very different way. So I read a lot of romance, and I know that love stories, like I think you guys are both going to talk about love stories that aren't, wouldn't necessarily be called romance, but I'll just, I'll just represent for romance because I read a lot of it. And I will just say, if you've not found us on Pinterest, I am going to post a graphic that covers a lot of the things that I really want to talk about, but I'm going to hold myself back, and I'm just going to talk about two. So if you want to see recommendations, and we also publish those in Bookish Faves on our website. So if you want to see other things that I really wish I could talk about, but I won't, you can check us out in those two places. All right. So the first one I'm going to talk about is a contemporary romance called Evie Drake Starts Over. This is by Linda Holmes, who is the host of the of NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. And I actually found her... I found this book, this is kind of weird, but Alan Seppenwall is a TV critic that I love, and he was one of the first readers for Linda Holmes for this book, and he was tweeting about how much he loved the novel, and I I love him, and I think he has great taste, and so I went and read it, and oh my goodness, it's so good. So the premise is, there is a protagonist whose name I need to look at, yeah, oh, it's Evie Drake. (laughs) I was going to say, I thought... I'm going to leave that one in, folks. You have to leave that one in. <laughs> so the protagonist, Jen just... might need to take her coat off here. <laughs> His mysterious name is Evie Drake. <laughs> so Evie <laughs> it has decided at the very beginning of the novel that she needs to leave her husband. She has decided that their marriage is not successful and that she needs to leave. And in the moments before she gets in her car and drives away, she finds out that he has died. And she had not told anyone that she was leaving him. So they are all assuming, rightfully so, that she is grieving. And she is sad, but that she is grieving in a way that she is not. And so that she feels like she hasn't earned all of their care. And so it's, it's a really complicated situation. 
So Evie has a best friend named, I've got to check on this one too. This one Start is not in the over. title. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Evie has a really good friend named Andy. They are best friends. It is very platonic. And Andy's friend, Dean, is a major league pitcher who has developed a case of the yips, which basically means that he just can't pitch anymore. Like there's nothing physically wrong with him. Just something has gotten in his head. He can't pitch anymore. So he decides to come visit Andy for a while and just they live in a small town and he just needs to get away from the press and from expectations and take a break and just see if he can get himself together. Romance ensues. So it's I think it's a great premise. It's really it's just really smart. Like Linda Holmes is really smart in the way she develops these characters. The dialogue is clever. And it's not one of those like love at first sight. So I, you believe the relationship that they're building and you believe the way that Evie is starting over. I'm just going to use all parts of the title now. <laughs> that Evie is starting over from this very bizarre situation. So that is Linda Holmes's Evie Drake Starts Over. That sounds really good. <laughs> I've great. seen that all over Instagram yeah. and I've always I've been very curious about it. It's lovely. Ashley, what's your choice? <laughs> Is the protagonist's name in the title? <laughs> I wanted to say that I think I might be reading that one, and I feel sure that I will remember that Evie Drake <laughs> is the one who's starting over. Okay, moving right along. The protagonist's names are not in my title. The first one that I'd like to talk about is Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue, and I loved it. Loved, loved, loved this book. So this one, and you all know that I am not a romance reader, but this book is brilliant. So um, basically it is that it's two important political sons who are in two countries. And so it's Alex, who is the son of the female president of the United States, and Prince Henry from England. And they are rivals. They kind of hate each other. There's all this tension, largely driven by Alex, it seems like. But basically, they have this angst against each other. And they, because of that, there's all this pressure for them to do these things to... There, there's an incident. And so then they have to do these things to try to show that mm-hmm. they... Are, that they get along and that they're secretly friends and all this kind of stuff. And so then they begin spending time together and come to understand each other in a much more meaningful way and then discover, you know, re- really surprisingly to Alex um, that maybe they don't hate each other after all. So <laughs> it's just, I, I just think it's brilliant. It's hopeful. I think it is a read that I needed at this time in my life because in addition to a great love story which it is and a very clever and well-written book with a lot of humor and great dialogue and there's great relationships not just not just the love relationship is sweet but there's also between Alex and his sister there's this great relationship there's just a lot of um, really good friendships people who really support each other and understand each other and in intimate ways and are doing things to help each other be better people. I mean, I think that's a lot of what the book is about. And I love that. But it's also about Alex Claremont Diaz's mom, who is running for reelection. And it's all about what that is like. Mm -hmm. And it's also about Prince Henry's pressure 
as being part of the royal family and what that is like for him. And I just think that all of that is so rich and it's it's like it it felt like reading an alternate version of our current reality Mm -hmm. and imagining it to be what in my opinion would be a better one than where we are today so less divisive more hopeful united finding the best in each other and I just loved that I thought it felt so genuine but also really rich and really hopeful and so again that is Casey McQuiston's red white and royal blue and I unreservedly loved it. I picked that as my book of the month because both of you had given mm-hmm. it such rave reviews. Oh, so I I'm loved ex- it. I haven't read it yet, but it's definitely on my list to read. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever given a romance book a five-star mm-hmm. review, but I, I mean, it was five stars for me for yeah. sure. It's definitely, it's one of those books that makes you giddy. Yes. It's so, so good. Yeah, it's really, you'll love it, Sarah. I, I'm sure I will. Yeah. And that's why I got it because I knew, I mean, if you both loved it that much, I'm pretty sure I'll love it too. So, oddly... The name of my main character is also mentioned in the title. <laughs> but this... Just be sure to notice before you start talking about right, the character. Right. Can I see you all prepared? <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you today about a, a new YA release called, David, called Frankly in Love by David Yoon. And just to note, um, that is... Nicola Yoon, who we've talked about on, <laughs> on we the podcast her. before, it is her husband. So he he published this book, and it is about a Korean two two Korean parents who immigrated to the United States and have built a family in in America. And the main character is their son, who is a Korean American, and it. So it it definitely has tons of romance in it. There's a kind of a a romantic triangle between some of the characters, and but what I guess what stood out to me most is Frank is the main character, as is said in the title. <laughs> I, I will say that for that one, it's clever because yes, it's Frank, Frank Lee, Lee. Yeah. and Frank Lee, Lee is his name, but then it's Frank Lee, you know, like to say something frankly. So very, yes. very punny, very yes. clever. Yes. And we are English teachers, so we love a pun. <laughs> <laughs> so Frank Lee is the name, is, is the main character's name. And he is, I thought what was most interesting for me is number one, it is a loves it is a romantic book written from the point of view of a male character mm-hmm. a non-white male character mm-hmm. which is even better and it is about him navigating the expectations of his family his parents sacrificed a lot to come to america for for their family and <clears throat> while frank realizes that he is trying to navigate what he wants and living up to the expectations that his parents have put on him because they expect him to to date and marry a nice Korean girl. And Frank uh, falls basically falls in love with a white girl. And it is about him navigating that, navigating his feelings, um, trying to to navigate the the pressure that his family puts on him, but also um, his parents' own prejudice against other things you know it's it's just it's pretty complex for a YA romance novel and I really wouldn't categorize it as romance I would categorize it as a white contemporary YA fiction but he does a really good job he does a really good job of showing 
both how it's what it's like to be a teenager, but also how it is difficult to navigate the fact that Frank is a, a Korean American, mm -hmm. and because. Frank is he's he doesn't speak hardly any Korean and so he tries to there's really this great dialogue and Ashley maybe you can help me articulate this more more eloquently but there's a lot of commentary on how he feels that he is an American yeah. because he has never been to Korea he doesn't speak Korean mm -hmm. and his his connection to Korea is through his parents and it's really difficult for him because he is both not American enough mm -hmm. for white Americans mm -hmm. and he is not Korean enough for people who have immigrated to the country and he really has a hard time navigating that and I just found it really refreshing to see first of all a sto the story his story being a Korean American because I didn't know a lot about the traditions and the expectations that his parents would put on him and I also just thought it was really interesting to see his point of view and something that was not that that I had hadn't read in YA fiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if you want to add anything. Yeah, I, just, I feel I like I could have stumbled through said. that, but it's just a lot. It, it, it's a really complex book f when you think back on mm -hmm. it. I think. Yeah, I felt like while it reads in a really light way, mm -hmm. it hits on a lot of heavy mm -hmm. issues in a in what I felt was a very authentic yeah. to a teenage voice way. And then, like you said, Sarah, I just think that there's so much of him feeling lost in between yeah. that and I think he he sees these other Korean Americans who are who are you know deeply rooted in Korean culture and he's not like them mm -hmm. and then he sees other Americans who are deeply rooted in American culture and he feels like he's not like them and so it is a sense of kind of floating and then also I think there's just such a there's a lot of him wanting to do the right thing for his parents but also as anyone does I think like kind of bucking against what they expect of him mm -hmm. but then having to try to figure out what he really feels and believes mm -hmm. which is hard for a teenager to do so yeah I, th I thought it was great and I've seen some mixed reviews on that one but I felt like maybe part of my my theory is that part of what people criticize is that it does not read like a traditional romance mm -hmm. and I feel like it's really pitched that way but I didn't feel like I think I think it's more of an authentic teenage experience than what a lot of the YA romance books tend to read like. Mm -hmm. And I think it, yeah, it's authentic and it's realistic. You know, there's not, a, for some things, there's just not a, a nice, tidy way to tie things up. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the way life is. And that's the mm -hmm. way a lot of teenagers, what a lot of teenagers have to deal with. And I thought he did a really nice job of, of representing that. Mm hmm so, sorry that was a little stumbly, but it is a very good book. And it was great on audio, which I listened to on, I, I, I listened to it on audio. And there is romance thrown in there. So, there there is a love story to be had. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. but with all those other things. <laughs> I really want to read that one. So, that is David Yoon's Frankly in Love. So... My second one. All right. So I'm just going to talk for a moment about the author and then I'm going to highlight one book in particular. So Alyssa Cole is a romance author who has, I, first I will say, Sarah, you would use this word. Her books are steamy, like really <laughs> steamy. So just be aware. And she has hit a bunch of genres. So the first series by Alyssa Cole I read was a science fiction trilogy 
and she writes a lot of historical fiction. So she has had historical fiction set during the Civil Rights Movement, and she has had, there's a series set during the Civil War. Alyssa Cole is black, and so her protagonists most often are people of color and so I think Alyssa Cole is one of those people that it is great to have her writing romance and 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 bridging these different genres the series that I want to highlight is called Reluctant Royals and the first book is called A Princess in Theory and this one is about a woman named Naledi Smith who keeps getting these emails telling her that she is betrothed to an African prince. <laughs> and she <laughs> is writing them off because, of course, that sounds ridiculous. But it turns out that she really is. And so Alyssa Cole has created this kingdom called Thessalo. So I've seen it compared to Wakanda. So it is everyone in the kingdom is black, almost. It, it is ruled by royalty like it is a monarchy and they are all black and Naledi finds out that she was actually born in Thessalo and then her parents took her away from the kingdom when she was a child and that's part I don't want to give it away why but that she was taken away and that she legitimately is engaged to this prince and so she travels back to Thessalo not thinking she's going to get married just thinking she needs to clear things up and figure out what actually happened in her past since she had no idea that she was born there. And again, as I would say, romance ensues. But it's just really <laughs> clever. And so the series has, I was just trying to look to see, it has two, four, five. It has five books now. There's a six to come out. And Alyssa Cole just, the representation is amazing. So there's LGBTQIA. There are characters of different races she has one character who is in a wheelchair like she just does a great job of representing people that we sometimes don't see represented in romance novels and so i really love her writing and love her intention and her goals in writing so the the particular book is a princess in theory but in general Alyssa cole is just great I was, while you were talking, I was listening and also trying to find, because you said about me and the steamy, uh-huh. I, I was trying to find the bookstagrammer that oh, does yes. this, but she rates them on steaminess and like <laughs> dirty, from dirty dancing is the lowest to 50 shades, which is highest. And I need to stay around dirty dancing. <laughs> so this I was is definitely more toward 50, 50 shades. shades. It's not, it, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I was going to get her four little fires. If I can find it sometime, or maybe in the show notes, yeah, we can give. That? I, I, I love her. I'll have. I'll I know. I could. I was trying to find it, but she has four different levels, and I, I can maybe go one level up from Dirty Dancing, but <laughs> I'm not sure about the Fifty Shades. Sorry. <laughs> Ashley, do you want to tell us your second book? I would love to, Sarah. <laughs> Another book that I've read, this one's also recent for me, is A Curse So Dark and Lonely. This one is Bridget Khmer's Curse Breakers book number one. And it, I purchased this one on a deal on Kindle, and so I kind of opened it somewhat haphazardly and did not think, I, I don't know, I just didn't expect a lot from it. Again, I'm not big into romance. I do love fantasy, <laughs> and there's this is definitely fantasy, so... That's more up my alley. But anyway, this is a fairy tale retelling, which I also love. And what I 
really there were a lot of things I really loved about it but I think that it has two it has alternating perspectives one is Prince Wren and he is the cursed prince of Emberfall and he is having to I'm trying to think about what I can say without I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler he is cursed to become a beast basically mm-hmm. every season and in his beast-like state he's not a werewolf but if you thought about things that you've read or seen that have werewolf components it's kind of like that you know in the Mm -hmm. sense that he has no control over what he's doing he can't use his cognitive abilities to protect people or anything like that and he's cursed to relive that over and over again so he has these seasons and the thing that is supposed to help is to break the curse which requires true love so then come along there comes along Harper, who is from our world and then kind of gets transported into that world. And she is fierce, but also struggling. Her mom is dying. Her brother is in this really precarious situation. And so she's having to worry about him. She he's in the middle of this precarious situation when she is taken to the other kingdom. And she has cerebral palsy also. And so she's got a lot going on that she's suddenly pulled away from to, you know, to be the person who's supposed to help break the curse, basically. And, yeah, so there's there's just a lot of, as, as Jen would say, romance ensues. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of, there's so many complexities that are making it difficult for them to have the romance because of all of the, he has... you know, tremendous trauma from all the things that he has experienced. And then she has left her family, which she can't stop thinking about. And then she wants to be able to get back and help them. And then also there is a third character, Gray, who is his, um, like, right-hand man, basically, Prince Ren's right-hand man. And he is just an amazing character also. And so all three of them, I just really love them as characters. I think that each of them, their voices are unique there it's Ren and Harper who are the ones telling the story. Mm-hmm. But I think that you get the perspectives of each of them. They all want to do the right thing. They want to help people. And it's exceedingly difficult for them to do that. And I just think that I really appreciated a lot of the things that the story that Khmer takes on mm-hmm. in the story. And so I'm really curious to see where she goes with, the second book. So the second book just came out. It's called mm, something so fierce and broken. A heart, a heart so fierce and broken. I think I'll correct that. The covers are so beautiful. Yeah. She does. I mean, the covers are lovely. And like I said, it is, it does have those elements of fairy tale retellings Mm -hmm. and also a fantasy that I think are really enjoyable to read. But then I think that she hits on some things that are different from what a lot of the more traditional stories might cover. So again, that is Bridget Kamara's A A Curse So Dark and Lonely. That sounds great. I've seen those on Instagram as well. And they look, they look right up my alley. I really want to read those too. My last pick is, this is the one that, that I read a long time ago. Well, not a long, long time ago, but it's it's in the distant, <laughs> distant uh, past. So um, this is Ellen Hildebrand's The Blue Bistro, and I have read a lot of Ellen Hildebrand's books. I th- 
she it, it her books are romance, but they mm-hmm. they don't they're not formulaic romance. Mm-hmm. They usually have some other thing happening, and it they're also there are a lot about relationships, and they also don't always have the ending that you want them mm-hmm. to have. So they're they're not always tied up in a neat bow. Mm-hmm. So this, the, the one that I'm going to talk about today is The Blue Bistro. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know I love a book that has uh, the center around food. And this is one that does. The main character's name is Adrian. She moves into Nantucket. A lot of Hildebrand's books are set in Nantucket. And she moves into Nantucket. She has been working in hotels. And she... Is she's basically been left by her boyfriend and they've broken up and she's penniless and she moves to Nantucket to make a new start and she is trying to find a job and the only person that offers her a job is this guy named Thatcher who has the hottest restaurant in town but she has no restaurant experience and she tries to convince him to hire her anyway and you know romance romantic triangles, mm-hmm. all of that ensues. But there is a thread of a story about the chef that works there named Fiona. It's kind of a mystery. She, They're going to close the restaurant after this season, this, this season of, of um, tourists. And there's this mystery about why this is happening that occurs. And so there's, there's other things too. But I would say it would be... A romance mm-hmm. book because the thing that drives it and the reason that you you want to know is because you want this romantic relationship to happen. So that is Ellen Hildebrand's The Blue Bistro, and it it was a page turner for me. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like the book. Of, I haven't read a ton of hers, but the ones I've read up liked. Yeah, I, I mean, they usually have some sort of heart to like mm-hmm. something more than just the romance. So yeah. I like it. Okay, well, that concludes our discussion of love books, and we hope that you will tell us some of the books that you love to read during this uh, February season of romance and all those things. So to hit us up on social media. Before we leave, we are going to give, a, give you one. So we're going to do our Give Me One segment. And today's Give Me One is, what is your favorite romantic getaway spot or date night Jen uh sure so I would say regularly my Kirk and my date nights consist of going somewhere for a good dinner and then doing some sort of movie marathon at our local theater which I know may sound really lame but man we love it so we'll go see two or three movies back to back and it's really really fun uh our longest romantic getaway since we had kids was to New York Kirk surprised me and planned a trip to go see some shows on Broadway for our 15th wedding anniversary. No, our 10th wedding anniversary. (laughs) Our 10th. Our 10th wedding anniversary. And it was really lovely. So it was a lot of fun. And he was very, very sweet to plan it all. That's awesome. So one of the things that we love about where we live is that we're really close to our downtown and we love our downtown. So Uh, When we have a chance to go on a date night, we love the breweries downtown, and we also love the different 
locally owned restaurants that are downtown. Bobico is probably our most favorite, but we also love Cuban Burger and Food Bar Food. And we love Pale Fire, the brewery that's downtown, and also Three Notched is another brewery. So there's just a lot. And Brothers Brewery. We have a, we just have a really vibrant local scene downtown. And we love to go in there with our kiddos, but it's also really nice to have an evening out and be able to relax and have, you know, real normal adult conversations. And, and to enjoy those places. Well, mine is for for a date night. We typically go out to dinner and then go home and sip wine or watch a show. It's pretty low key. Uh, sometimes we'll go to a movie. Uh, for our romantic getaway, we actually do this. I, I'm very fortunate. I have my mom that lives so close to me and she... Is like a second mother to my children. I mean, they adore her and she adores them. So we get the opportunity to go out for, you know, a night or two. And we like to go someplace where we can walk everywhere and that has, you know, great restaurants and things to do. So we're pretty low key though. I mean, we don't, we don't do a lot of, you know, high stress stuff, but it, mm-hmm. it works for us. Mm-hmm. And we like to go to the beach and stuff like mm-hmm. that too, but mm-hmm. But most of the time, our our getaways are a night or so, and we do dinner and just hanging out and doing fun stuff. (laughs) Okay, so that is our episode for Love is in the Air. Again, we want to remind you to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, hit us up on social media because we are active there, especially on Instagram, and we love interacting with you there. So get get on Instagram and send us a message or partake in whatever we are doing at the moment because we will will respond and we will dialogue with you. Thanks for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at UnabridgedPod.com for a list of ways to support us. We'd like to thank Jared Featherstone, who composed our theme music, Strings of Light, and Katie Amy of Amy Photography, our podcast photographer. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.